Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guest is Peter Lindgren, all the way out in Sweden. Thank you, Peter, for being here today on the show. Thank you for having me, Kainsa. So, Peter, I've been seeing your content over the last couple of years, um, and I just want to kind of hear your story because it's been fun to kind of see what's happening. It's been fun to see your reels pop up with the Nerf guns and crazy things. <laughs> Um, you've got two channels, you've got the vlogs, you've got the, the gear focus thing. I really just want to kind of figure out like, who is Peter, where you come from. I know there's DHL involved. I know bodybuilding's involved. Um, (laughs) there's just a lot of aspects to you. So let's just begin with like, who are you? (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's simple question. (laughs) Um, no, but I think I'm 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 no different from anyone else. I think like I started uh, my entire journey just as anyone you know picking up a camera. But before that, it was like I dropped out of high school. Mm. That that was kind of the the start of my entire career, as we say. Uh, but uh, I I was bullied, and I really did not like studying. So I had like when I dropped out of high school i had uh, how do you, how do you say in 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 uh, english when you have like when you just pass the score for a grade is that what was like c yeah a uh, d yeah like d. Uh, uh, f would be like a fail but like yeah. d is like as close as you can get to a fail <laughs> so everything in all the different subjects that we had in school there was only two that had an f in uh, or d in uh, was it like D? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> F, F, F was failure across the board, and the only two subjects that like I succeeded in was in like I think it's called homeschooling, and that was okay. because because we didn't have it the last year, and then it was <laughs> English, which is uh, what I'm doing these videos in when I'm doing YouTube, and <laughs> I kind of just dropped out because you know the bullying and all that stuff it was too much and i didn't want to be a part of that i had really bad teachers that didn't help at all like i had one teacher come out to me uh when i was sitting in the hallway when there was a class and he was like peter you should be in the class and i'm like yeah i know duh and then he said yeah but do you know what's going to happen if you don't go to the class and i'm like yeah no don't tell me and he's like (laughs) Um, you're not going to have a job. You're going to live on the streets. You're not going to uh-huh. be able to be anyone. And I'm like, <laughs> well, f- you. <laughs> Seriously. That's it. And then I, then I just left because, yeah, I mean, like being a teacher and a- approaching a youngster in that way kind of like gives the opposite thing um, yeah. from what you want. But from that point on, I started working with my dad as a like metal workshopper and uh, worked with him back and forth up until I was like 18 years old. But then our relationship kind of started to get a little bit edgy. And uh, then I decided to go and get another job and I took a forklift driver's license and I got a job at a hardware store to unload everything that was coming in, all the pallets, all the you know, building materials and stuff like that. And uh, from that point on, I just drove the forklift, really. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, I think I've worked on that specific spot for like four years, maybe. And then I got laid off, you know, just one morning to say like, hey, Peter, come up. Okay. And then... Like we're going to have to lay off because our company is not doing well right now. We have to get, you know, lay off people that came in late and hasn't been in the company for a long time. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. So what am I going to do? And they're like, we don't know. It's like, sorry. (laughs) It's like, okay. So I went to the unemployment, um, what do you call it? Unemployment service that we have here in Sweden. And then I got three months of, uh, like allowance from the government and I decided to start my own brand which was basically bracelets with a hashtag on it you know that was it okay cool and I it was like focused within the 
like fitness and health. So the hashtag said in Swedish, like I have the will. And I decided to sell those on Instagram as my main like platform. And uh, <laughs> it was, wasn't until like two months after that I realized that the, the actual import fee together with the cost for the bracelet cost me more than actually selling the bracelets. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! I should, should have should have stayed in school, Peter. Um, oh my goodness! But yeah, from that point on, I decided to start my own workout uh, clothing apparel business, and um, thought it was too expensive to hire a photographer. Mm-hmm. Asked a friend, "Hey, can I borrow your camera?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, take it." And started taking the photos, and that is actually when I built built this office space that i'm sitting in back in 2015 i think okay and my dad is the owner of the building so i asked him hey can i build a small space where i can have like a studio so i can take product photos and he's like yeah sure i'm gonna i'm gonna just just as long as you keep down the costs then it's gonna be Mm -hmm. fine so i did that and uh did that for like two years and then there was kind of like the nail in the coffin was when, again, I miscalculated the import fees on clothing. Uh-huh. So I actually had to take a loan of like 10 grand to be able to pay for the import fees uh, that oh I goodness. didn't calculate. So, <laughs> so I, I was like, <laughs> and then I started working on DHL um, as a like unloading the boxes onto the conveyor belt. And saw a lot of potential in the workspace. Decided to do my absolute best and uh, worked there for two, two and a half, three years, and mm-hmm. got promoted eventually to a supervisor of the same department as I was working in. And uh, also during that time, I started my my YouTube channel in 2018, and uh, just you know got tired of DHL. <laughs> <laughs> and. So the the filmmaking journey really was out of like uh, just a means to an end. You just simply needed to take photos and video for your work. Yeah, it it, it all started because I thought it was too expensive to hire a photographer. And and then I felt that, you know, like I can do this. I can do this myself. It can't be that hard as long as you have a good camera. You know, didn't know anything about lenses or anything like that. (laughs) Get a good camera and you're set. Um, so for me, it was more like just picking that up, starting to do a lot of trial and error. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really like the photography aspect that much, but I did it because I wanted to learn. But then when I saw Casey and Peter, you know, making these videos on YouTube, the other Peter, yeah, yeah, the the other Peter, uh, I kind of felt that video was more interesting and that is kind of when I started to venture into trying to do my own vlogs, which was incredibly hard, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that was where it all started back in, uh, I think it was 2015, where I picked up a camera first wow. time. That's amazing. And so you just kind of were inspired by Casey and Peter and just kind of experimented and figured out how to do it. Is essentially yeah. what happened, but you were also. I think it's interesting how uh, I. I don't want to ask how old you are, but I'm 31, <laughs> and it's like I've been doing stuff as an adult for a while now, and so there's so many things in your life that have led up to this. Like it's a kid who's gonna stumble across your channel, and be like, "Oh shoot, how do I have a studio? How do I get this and that? How do I have these connections?" It's like. You've been an adult for a while. You've met people. You yeah. had a studio space. You built businesses. Like all those things have have added to the value and the storytelling that you're able to do on on your YouTube channel just because you've lived. You know, I think yeah. that's really fascinating. Oh yeah, for sure. And just as you said, you know, the storytelling comes from the experiences. I think that that is that is one thing that a lot of people forget and something that I tend to remind everyone of is that there's 8 billion people here on planet Earth, but there's only one that has lived your life, and that is you. Yes. So 
like the experiences that we share is something yes. that other can relate to and be a part of but it's not until you share it that mm. you'll find the audience i think it i think you're such a great um role model for people because you you aren't in america you you are in sweden and you've been able to create this i, I don't know if this that's a thing Thank that you. people say in sweden or or in other countries but like it's like oh well I'm not American, so I can't do X, Y, Z. And it's like, oh yeah, that's sure. that's the that's the beauty of the internet. That's the beauty of YouTube is you're able to to build. The, we're talking right now over the internet. I mean, this is wild. Yeah. Like I'm in Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee. You know, it's like it's really wild, isn't it? Yeah, it. I'm. I mean, as you said, there's a lot of people here in Sweden that limits their own capabilities because of the language barrier or because they don't know how to uh, you know connect with someone in the United States or something like that but internet is really the one place where you don't have any limitations today mm -hmm. there's so many platforms that we can use and YouTube is only one of all of them that is totally free to start publishing your work on and then totally. if it works out they even pay you to publish your work. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you've been following the news with like TikTok and the way that they pay creators. Yeah. They don't pay creators basically. It's like the creator fund, right? Yeah. And it's the, the, there's like an amount of money that they're giving away. And as more creators come into the pool, yeah. the money is less and less for the big creators. So people who are getting like hundreds of millions of views are getting like a couple thousand dollars like it's insane <laughs> um and youtube is such a fair i feel like it's the most fair uh revenue split of any social media i think what is it is it 60 40 i believe for the yeah. creators so it, it's and i think it's totally like totally good that it is like that because considering that google is supplying the platform they're supplying yeah. uh, the algorithm the search terms you know the, the analytics everything the only thing that we do is the receiver and upload the content. And then I think it's weird when people are, um, or, you know, I, I totally get that people always want more money. That's how it is. <laughs> sure. But I think it's weird that people are complaining that they're not getting enough because mm -hmm. we have the possibility to go to a TV channel and say, hey, here's my channel. Do you want to send it on primetime? I mean, I've I've seen interviews with Mr. Beast how he he's actually had meetings with Netflix and they they won't even uh, hire Mr. Beast to make a show <laughs> on Netflix. I think that's a huge mistake. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Could you imagine like a, a Mr. Beast show where they've got you know a huge budget? Like he yeah. would he would blow it up. But oh, for sure. Anyways, well, congratulations for being a father. I'm a father Thank myself. You. And um, how how, how are had, yours? I have a two year old and a four year old. I have two boys. And oh they goodness. are crazy and fun. And um, I don't know about you, but like as soon as I had the kids, I, I at first it was kind of like this child is like interfering with my life. And <laughs> yeah. then it, <laughs> and then after a couple of months of like really connecting with the child, I don't know. Maybe the mother has more of that connection because they carry the the child. Yeah. But once I really, it just clicked for me at a certain point where it's like, oh my gosh, I will do anything for this child i will throw away every single thing that i've ever built for this kid like career doesn't matter anymore to me like everything about this child is uh what i'm focused on and so um i don't know like the career that i have is amazing and i love it but um the the joy and the fulfillment that i get in being a father is kind of uh insane i don't know if you can relate but it's one of those things that you can't really explain right it's hard to explain. Yeah. You know, for, for someone that doesn't have a kid, uh, it's it's just, it's amazing to see someone just grow every single day. It, there's like new words, there's new sentences, there's new like imagina Im imaginations coming out and you just mm -hmm. see this person becoming a part of who you are, mm -hmm. but in their own way. It's uh, like, it's mind blowing. I think it's, yeah. So I get yeah. the feeling. I totally get it. <laughs> what do you what do you use to document um his uh his life do you use your nice cameras or are you like just using your phone most of the time everything i try <laughs> like as much as i can i want to use the nice camera and yeah whenever, whenever i'm doing like a vlog or anything like that there's 
the things that make it into the YouTube videos, just a tiny, tiny percent of what I captured that day when mm-hmm. it comes to the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm kind of always taking pictures and video and, um, I've gotten a good workflow where about once a month, I'll just gather all the videos together, throw it in a timeline and then just export it out. And I have a private YouTube channel and I chapter it based on the, the day. Awesome. And so like, I just have this whole archive of like 40 or 40 minute hour long, you know, home movie clips basically on YouTube. Cause it's like, it's free hosting. So it's like, yeah. why not just upload it on there? So, and it's also um, a great way to do it. Just as you said, you know, take the clips and actually edit it together because mm-hmm. one of the biggest mistakes that we do, or at least my parents did is that they shot a lot mm-hmm. of footage, but it's just, <laughs> It's just in cartons, you know, on VHS tapes. That's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, Well, I I don't edit it down to anything interesting, really. I just I do just throw it on a timeline and just get it up and out. That way I can have access to it. But I don't, like, cut it down really that much because I don't have time to deal with that, yeah. you know. But Yeah, but then um, again, you at least you do something with it. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so it's not, exactly. it's not like in an old NAS drive yeah. in the corner just <laughs> gathering dust. Exactly. Exactly. We're in a different era because we don't have tapes that we can just like, you know, physically put in a closet. (laughs) I have to reuse my memory card, so I need to wipe it. So therefore I need to just dump it and get it up, you know? Yeah. um, So I want to, I want to ask you about the the two channel strategy, what your current thoughts are with it. You did the vlogs, but I feel like your main channel also is a vlog too, in its own kind of way. So I just want to like get your kind of current like perspective on the two channels on the vlog versus the Peter Lindgren channel. Um, I don't know if you saw potato jet is kind of stepping away from vlogs himself from, I haven't seen that. Yeah. He's, he's, he is, he posted a video about it. Like he's going to use his vlog channel as a place to experiment, but he's like, I need to just focus on the main channel. I, I just, I'm curious, like how have you been able to think about the two channels I mean, you've got the main one that has, you know, almost 600,000 subs, which congratulations, by the way, that's awesome. Thank you. And then your vlog channel, which is still growing and you're still experimenting, I assume, on there. So what's your kind of strategy and your current thoughts on the two channels? Well, I, I think one of one of the key things is that I've been I've been having the thought for so long of why did I why did I start making videos was mm-hmm. like because I wanted to have fun learning stuff, you know, making videos that I thought was interesting for me to make. And while I still think that the tutorials and gear reviews are fun, it got to a point where I felt like I'm making these for the audience. You know, I'm not making these for my sake. I'm making these because these videos are generating views and these videos are good for the algorithm and and that kind of stuff and i think that when you take your work and uh, or when you take your hobby and turn that into your work then you're going to be you're going to be suffocated about only doing your hobby as a job you know you're going to suffocate that eventually. And, and that is where I felt like I need to have an outlet of just making videos that I think is fun. For example, when mm-hmm. I like I uploaded a vlog today that has absolutely nothing to do with cameras. It's like me unboxing power tools and building a little bit of my studio and then cleaning in my apartment. That's it. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with a tutorial or how-to or camera gear or tech. It's one of those videos that I just enjoyed making because i wanted to make a video and Mm -hmm. when it comes to my main channel i want to keep everything that is camera related filmmaking related and tech related on that channel Mm -hmm. so that when i split things up then i have a clear difference of like okay everything is going here but it doesn't prevent me from adding in vlog elements into this channel as well but this channel is not going to be related to anything that is remotely close to cameras and tech and that kind of stuff sure. for the majority of the video, you know? Yeah. And uh, when, when you see it as a business as well, I mean, like you, you, can, you can have the best cafe 
on planet Earth, right? And you have the most loyal customers. But then when you start selling dishwashers on your cafe, your customers <laughs> are probably not going to buy the dishwashers because they came there because you had a cafe, right? Uh-huh. Sure. So, so when you think about YouTube channels that way, it's not much of a difference of running businesses. And if you think about Mr. Beast, he has multiple different channels. And then you also have TV like channels with different channels, different programs, different entities that is shown to different audiences. So mm -hmm. if I can expand my audience with a vlog channel and get people that are invested into me more as a person rather than what I talk about and what I teach, then I sure. see that as a potential to grow even further as a content creator because this will generate more interest in the videos that I can post here for me. Totally. And they, and they kind of serve each other as well. So if you're doing a specific review or tutorial, there's kind of a behind the scenes of how you yeah. made it. The vlog can kind of serve that. My question though, as a creator myself, I know the amount of editing uh, required to do both of these <laughs> things. And I know how, how distracted I can get as somebody who kind of struggles with ADHD a little bit. Like what are, how are you able to focus on, you know, the main channel, which is pro I would imagine is bringing in your, the majority yeah. of your revenue. Right. So obviously to bring home the bacon to, 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 to feed your family, you're going to focus on making money, obviously, but then you've got the vlog as well. So how do you split your time and do you have editors? Do you have people that are helping you with that? No, I'm, I'm still doing everything on my own and, uh, try, trying my best to come up with some sort of um, routine now that I have the studio build out, it's kind of like taking up too much time that I initially thought it would do. But sure. I think what I said to myself is that when I'm editing a video for the vlog channel, it can take no longer than maximum two hours. That's it. So yeah. it has to be very like quick, just pretty linear. It's like, you know, yeah, as, as the day happened. Exactly. And, and and I think that when, when it comes to the vlog, I usually try to think of it like a linear timeline. Like I start with the morning and then eventually there something interesting happens and then I get a good thought and then I spin off of that. But then when you have that edit done, then you can just move around the different segments to create a sort of interesting piece of content that the audience can watch and i think that when when people think about vlogs they think in a linear fashion that it always have to be linear right yeah start to finish yeah. but but when you start seeing a vlog you can like you can add in transitional stuff that you shot totally. three days ago you can add in a little bit uh, environmental mm -hmm. shots you can add in uh, and then mix and match together so that it's more interesting yeah. than it actually was but, but everything you just said is more more editing time. So I'm like, I'm trying to. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, so, uh, <laughs> so how many vlogs do you, are you doing uh, a week then? So you're doing um, like a couple. Right now, it's been a little bit laid, laid back, you know. So I made like two two a week is probably pretty good. But I did have a run yeah. la last year. <laughs> I did like 45 in a row daily. Yeah. Um, cool. But it, it it was fun because when you get into the habit of making a video every day, or at least I felt like that, uh, then I, I also got faster at editing. So mm -hmm. in the, in the totally. beginning, I tried to think of, okay, how do I make this interesting? How do I make this interesting? And can I make the story more linear? But then I realized the day is the story and the editing is what gives the pace. You know? Yes. So the more yeah, interesting totally. my edit is the easier it gets to create, you know, an interesting piece of content for something boring. <laughs> totally. And, it, and there are two different strategies too. Like the, the vlog channel, you're really building super fans, people that yes. are part of your life that are, that are watching your content. And yes, maybe the views aren't as high as doing a review of the new Sony blah, blah, blah camera that comes yeah. out. <laughs> but you're building a fan base of people who who really are invested in your life and they are yeah. super fans. So I'm curious, because you have both, you have the main channel where you are doing those kind of bigger 
videos that can often, you know, get, you know, more significant views, but then you're also doing the vlogs, which are a lower, like kind of baseline of views, but a deeper connection with your audience. I would just love to hear your perspective on those two kind of audiences of, of those two channels. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the bigger channel, I've definitely um, experienced what you said, you know, that you can get a, a million views on a video, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily translate to a million dedicated people that will subscribe to your channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I enjoy having a video that pops off on YouTube and gets like hundreds of thousands of views, it's still one of those things that, you know, anyone can get that if they have the right video. Mm-hmm. But when you have a constant stream of just your everyday life and the views are super consistent, because if, if you look yeah. at my vlog channel, you have like the views are super consistent on it. And yeah. sometimes the views on my vlog channel are better than on my main channel. Mm-hmm. Like on some videos, because you don't really know what YouTube uh, is going to push out to a wider audience or, you know, sure. if, if your video is good enough. So when, yeah, you, when I post, yeah, you have about a consistent 6,000 people, it seems that are kind of just always show up, you know, yeah. like three, three to 6,000 that are just there, you know, exactly. And, and, and the thing is with those people is that they feel like they have a little bit of glimpse into Peter, the person more than, you know, Peter, the filmmaker or Peter, the reviewer or Peter, the YouTuber. This is more like Peter behind the scenes, uh, rough on the edges, doing the DIY and that kind of stuff. And I think that the audience that I have there is only going to grow. But the good thing is also that this audience that I'm growing are invested in to the things I do rather Mm -hmm. than what I show and talk about and i think that that is very interesting for the longevity of a channel because i mean you can do a great job such as marquez where you do tech reviews for 12 years which is amazing like he's so good at what he does Mm -hmm. and if you think about it it's also he doesn't really have to come up with ideas as much as a filmmaker uh, generating channel you know because we have to be creative with ideas with that is going to be unique and we have to create a short film we have to create that but in the tech sphere the companies create the content Mm -hmm. for for the people to make videos on and i think that if i have that over here on my bigger youtube channel with the reviews with the tech with the behind the scenes then i can have everything else over here and have the audience Mm -hmm. an entirely different audience as well that gets to know me as someone else because oh. I it's it's kind of interesting actually because I've had a lot of people that has been saying that you know I love your vlog channel more because it's more fun like it's mm-hmm. more behind the scenes stuff it's more personal in a way well and I've noticed too like even with your most recent video with the 50 millimeter lens <laughs> it's kind of like a on your main channel it's kind of like a vlog, you know? Yeah. So I would imagine that the skills that you're developing on the vlog channel are also translating over to your main channel, making it more, uh, you know, tapping into the personality of Peter a little bit more. Yeah, it is. And I think in a way I've, I was kind of trapped in my thought process on how I would go about and do the things separately. But I talked with this, uh, together with Peter McKinnon as well, when I met him in down in Italy, where like he kind of got inspired by my vlog channel to start his own separate channel because he has so many more things that he wants to do that is not just related to filmmaking. And Mm -hmm. we said that it's more of honoring the audience rather than Mm -hmm. trying to lure the audience into something that they might not like, you know? Exactly. That's actually interesting to hear that because that's kind of how I was sort of viewing the other Peter's content. I was like, it seems like he doesn't want to necessarily do the camera filmmaking stuff anymore. And he's trying to force me to watch his vlogs on his main channel. But it's interesting to hear that he was thinking that way. And he's like, well, actually, yeah, let's honor the the audience that came here for that. 
which is yeah. that, that it seems to be a very clear focus now that you you both seem to have some clarity on all this which is good because um it's just an interesting way that youtube works like i think because we grew up with channels meaning tv channels that have multiple shows on a channel you think you could have multiple different types of content on one channel but the way that youtube really works best is if you just focus on what the channel is like you know you your main channel blew up reviewing gears gear and behind the scenes stuff so just keep it that and then make a new channel that's that's different instead of trying to pull the audience back and forth with all these different types of shows on one channel essentially yeah totally and and i mean it's not really anything different if you see it as a show because i mean like you have the peter lindgren show people sign up for the behind the scenes as you said but then Peter Lingring comes with power tools and unboxes his new screwdriver. People are going to be mm-hmm. like, wait, what? I signed yeah. up for camera gear and here I'm getting yeah, like yeah. a screwdriver. What is going on? Exactly. It's it's all about, and that's really what the the current kind of YouTube space is all about with the title thumbnail as well. Like you really want to deliver the title and thumbnail as quickly as yeah. possible in the first 15 to 30 seconds um, to prove to the people who are clicking on it like, I am talking about the thing that you clicked on because that's really where the the main disconnect happens and why you, you know, people may have high click through rate, but low retention on videos yeah. is like if the title is really catchy and the, and the thumbnail is really catchy and maybe you do talk about the things that the title and thumbnail talk about, but it's not until three or four minutes in because you've got a bunch of vlog stuff at the beginning. Like I'm out in 30 seconds because you haven't, you haven't addressed the title and thumbnail yet. You know what I mean? So, oh yeah, totally. Um, and I, I, to spin off of that, I think it's it's one of the, one of the things that I see a whole lot uh, when creators don't really know if they are going to make a vlog or if they're going to make it a review is that they disguise it as something mm-hmm. that it's not. And I think that when you start disguising your video as something that it's not, just because you want to get the views then then you're going to do yourself a disservice instead of you know what we said honoring the audience because mm-hmm. my channel my second channel is literally called Peter Lindgren vlogs so when you mm-hmm. sign up for that when you hit subscribe you know that this is going to be vlogs this is not yep. going to be you know exactly. the polished reviews and um I and think, even your I title think, and thumbnail are it's clear yeah. that this is a vlog <laughs> channel just, you know it's just like you know taking a screen grab from the video and then just making it an interesting dramatic title and that's it <laughs> yeah which is the the Casey Neistat format too like yeah. back when he was blowing up i would just click on any video that he would post i didn't even really read the thumbnail or title or you know i just kind of was like oh cool new casey video i'm going to watch it because yeah, it's a personality based channel. Yeah. It is. And you you get you go to his channel because you know that it's Casey. Mm-hmm. You don't go to his channel because he's talking about the latest and greatest gear. Right? Exactly. And it's and, because that's the audience that he built and that's the the format of his videos. So, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and pe- people get invested and I think that when it comes to YouTube, I I wouldn't I wouldn't start a second channel if I didn't have the audience to begin with, though. That is very yes. important as well. Because I made a, made a video about this on my vlog channel a couple of days ago where I talked about why nobody cares. And mm. I talked about how if you go to the grocery store and pick up a bunch of bananas and record that into your latest vlog, then nobody's going to give a shit because you are a nobody unless you have the audience. Uh-huh. And... The thing is that we are all going to the grocery store to buy bananas at some point. So why should I watch you go to the grocery store and buy bananas, right? (laughs) But if you have the audience that is invested into you and you have built up something that is what we can call a core audience, then those people want to join you in purchasing those bananas because they are there (laughs) for you. They want to see what you are doing. Mm -hmm. So... In the beginning, nobody cares about what you're doing. So you got to build up an audience about something that you can share, something that you can provide value in or something that you can teach. Yes. 
and I, but you still are adding value in the vlogs because you just mentioned that whole yeah. message you just shared <laughs> yeah. that is value in the vlogs so you're kind of like hiding the hiding the vegetables which is what i heard yes theory say recently is like sweet yes theory um they used to focus on just making sure that they have very inspiring videos and things that you know inspire people to yeah. go out and do do stuff and um what's their slogan it's uh uh, seek the seek discomfort is their like slogan or whatever. Ah. Um, but they found that <clears throat> even though that's like a good cause and a great, great idea, like nobody cares. Like people don't, yeah. <laughs> people don't care about being inspired. So they had to find ways to kind of like hook the audience, come up with interesting concepts and then hide the vegetables is what they said. So like to their core, they do want to inspire people. They do want to like yeah. have people, you know, feel like motivated to go do things, but they can't make all their content wrapped up around like motivational thought by yesterday. Like they're <laughs> just going to hide it within the kind of bigger concept that, that gets the click. So, um, at least in this case, your vlog channel would be that like it's, I'm signing up to watch the vlog, but then you're going to hide the vegetables within it and, and add value throughout it, which makes people want to show up every single day. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and, and that also makes it for something interesting because when, when I have a thought, I don't know about you, but when, when you're making a video, when I have a thought, I instantly want to execute. Like that mm -hmm. is how I feel. If I get a good idea, I want to execute it right now. So when I pick up the camera in the morning, I usually get an idea of, okay, I'm, I'm going to start the video here and then I'll see what unfolds. And then when I get to the next place and record myself, I get another idea that, you know, or maybe not an idea, but another thought that I want to share with the camera. And then mm -hmm. I share that thought and then I go to the next place and then I share another thought. And eventually you have created some sort of like thought tree for that day <laughs> where you can like grab the different branches and then just piece it together into a broom and then sell that broom to the audience, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, it's, it's a different, um, you're, I'm inspired by this. It's a completely different, uh, workflow than what I'm currently doing. I'm, <laughs> I'm spending an entire month on one video and oh my scripting it and having multiple people involved and including set pieces and Respect. doing, you know, so I I'm trying to figure that out because I the that workflow is exhausting to me. So. <laughs> but this is causing a lot of um, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. That's the beautiful thing about no. it too. But I've I've been doing gear reviews for the last five years, and it was all just like every day I'd wake up with you know a new camera, and we'd just go shoot it, and it usually take us like two or three days to to do a review. So we could usually do two reviews a week. So it was like. Yeah. You know, just cranking out review after review. Any camera that came out, I'd review it. And then when I worked for Indie Mogul, that was a little different, but it was still a similar kind of workflow, um, just on a bigger production scale. But um, yeah, I just like I'm inspired by just your workflow and what you're doing too, because it's completely different, um, and it seems to be working. So, is is it working? Are you seeing numbers growing? Are you making like a good living? Is it is it? Are you having a snowball effect yeah. of like this is? Are you seeing a change the way you're doing this? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to compare as well because the, yeah, you know, luck usually comes to those who work hard. That's a saying that I love. I love that um, saying. And <laughs> for, for me, it was you know making the poker B roll at the right time and being at the right place, basically. Because when I made mm -hmm. that video, the B-roll started to become a trend. And mm -hmm. that trend was something that was a rising tide rather than something that was falling off. So when I made that video, it was at the end of 2019. Yep. And then I got a like whole load of subscribers from that. I think I got like 200,000 in a month. And... Mm. You know, when, when, when that happened was so timed because in the beginning of 2020, something happened that most of <laughs> us know as a pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, so for, for me, that was kind of like good in a way because people stayed at home. People watched a lot of YouTube, so I could keep growing my channel. But I don't think it's fair to compare 
like that those views towards today's views that most creators sure. get because it's an entirely different world today than it was back then right yep but it is. but as i'm seeing right now the workflow is definitely generating more eyeballs on my content when it comes to a wider audience and more brands that wants to reach out because of the amount of videos that i have produced as well mm-hmm. so i've been working together with uh dji ever since 2020 mm-hmm. i've been working together with sony ever since 2019 and there there's like building up this relationship is something that i value a whole lot because then eventually that generates some fruit from all the labor that i put in you know uh, totally so so yeah I, I think that the workflow is good but you also have to be a very disciplined person to be able to pull this off because doing what yeah. i do is not something that i would recommend to anyone that is in the beginning phases of their mm-hmm. journey <laughs> <laughs> Well, then that leads to the next question, which would be, what what do you recommend for somebody who's starting out? You know, what what is the Peter Lindgren kind of uh, answer to that question? I don't know. Like, this is, know, this, right? is some, uh, this is one of the just hardest questions. Yeah, go shoot stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I think what you just said there is is also one of the most boring answers, but also one of the best ones, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, you're always overthinking things. You know, yep. I, I have so many friends that want to start YouTube channels, but then they say like, ah, I don't know what to shoot. I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to um, yep. make a video of. But then I say like, what What do you want to make a video of? And then they say cameras. And then I say, do you have a smartphone in your pocket? And then they say, yes. And then I say, well, make a video on the camera on the smartphone in your pocket. And then they say like, yeah, but I can't do that. It's not. It's not that good. But then again, as we talked about previously in the podcast, nobody has heard your perspective on that said camera. So there's you're unique in that sense that nobody else has heard what you're about to say about the camera. Mm-hmm. I think practicing the craft is more important than trying to figure out what you're going to shoot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I've I've found um, you know you can sit around and pontificate, which is you know just kind of thinking <laughs> about things. You like that word? <laughs> yeah. And by the way, you're you're for a uh, for a, a dropout of English class. You your English is <laughs> is on point. I you've done a great thank job you very today. much. <laughs> <laughs> and I have utmost respect for anybody who knows any more than one language because. Most Americans are just super lazy and can only speak English. So thankfully it's worked out for us because everybody <laughs> speaks English. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, that's the, the terrible, arrogant American attitude is like, I don't need to learn anything. Everybody's going to learn what I speak. <laughs> yeah. so, but then so again, it, it's, it's also very, very good to have some sort of like international language, you know? I know it is. Uh, Spanish I think, I think is big that, here, so yeah, it is. But I mean, like, it's hard. Spanish is hard. Yeah, Spanish, German. Do you? What do you speak? Do you speak more than two? Or uh, I, I, I know a little bit of German. I, I would say that I could probably get away going around in Germany only trying to understand because it's kind of similar to Swedish. So I, I know, sure. like, my name is Peter. Is like ich heiße Peter. Und oh, ich bin nice. s- s- uh, 32 Jahre alt. That's like, German- my name is Peter and I'm 32 years old. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah, we're about the same <laughs> age. I'm, th- I'm yeah. about to turn 32 this year, so uh, in a couple months in August. Um, Sweet. Yeah, so we grew up with all the same things. Um, yeah. Game, Bo- game Boy Color, <laughs> oh, uh, so Nintendo. Nintendo 64. Um, what else? First um, Pokemon on Game Boy Color. That was the thing. Yep. Yeah, I had the Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Red, and Blue. Um, uh, those were the best. Yo-Yos. I don't know if Yo-Yos were big over there, but I got into Yo-Yos uh, had, like, when I was uh, Pogo. Was like Pogo uh, sticks? No, no, no Pogs. Not Pogo. Pogs. 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 Those little. Those little. Yeah, um, they're kind of like coins, but they were. Yeah, you yeah. Would, flip them and stuff yeah 
Yeah, good times, I, man. I think it, the most fun <laughs> thing about like all these toys is that when we were that age, nobody knew how to actually use them. We just yeah. come up with you know <laughs> our own rules. Like this is how it's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Pokemon. Like people would just collect them, but there was a whole game. Yeah. You know, no, nobody knew how to collect how to play the card game. It was. It just was like, like, look at my Charizard. It's the best. And by the way, did you get Pokemon cards like first? Because I got first edition cards because I'm that old. So like going to the store to buy Pokemon cards was first edition Pokemon cards. I wish that I saved them now because they probably would be worth something. But I never had a Charizard. But yeah, I I had a couple of them. But I mean, like, oh, my goodness. Let's not think (laughs) about it. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) <laughs> Let's not think about the million dollar Charizard that you, if you held on to. <laughs> that Charizard. Yeah, Sony, uh, you're you're a Sony guy. Uh, you yeah. have been for a while. Um, they've really stepped it up over the last couple of years with the A7S III, the A7 IV. Yeah. I mean, how how's your Sony journey been treating you over the last couple of years? I mean, I think Sony has been on the, how do you say, on, like on the, on the on the on the edge of you know yeah on the rise and they've definitely been pushing the boundaries of for content creators but i think like right now at the point where we're at i i don't see anything else that i would like to have in a camera you know for Mm -hmm. the coming two years because the, the only thing that i can see is probably like okay 8k would be cool but right now my camera is shooting like 4k 120 it is Mm -hmm. 10-bit everything that i want there's good audio there's great lenses it's full frame i don't have (laughs) anything that i wish a camera could have now and i think that all the other camera brands is kind of closing in on the same goal of you know just having just having good cameras so it doesn't really matter which kind of brand you're shooting today but sony yeah they've been good but i was trying out peter's canon r3 when i was in italy and that was Mm -hmm. That was a good camera as well. Well, you know, it's funny. I have the C70. I've been a big fan of it. Um, and I've been eyeballing the R3 over the R5 and the R5C because I don't like the high resolution. The R6, or the R3 has that like 6K to 4K down res. Yeah. I think it has better dynamic range as well. What were what were his takeaways from it? Is he using that as his primary like vlog camera? Yeah, he was using it as the main camera, mainly because it 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 was like it's this beefy camera. Yeah, and it has some good it, girth to it. Yeah. yeah, it feels good, and it's like it's far too heavy for me to walk around with on a regular basis. Even though I have big arms, but it it's like <laughs> it felt good. It was sturdy and it's full frame. It had like 20, 20 megapixels or something like that. Um, yeah. So it's not but, too I mean, high, like, high megapixel. It's good in low light, yeah. I think. It, the it ibis, the, the ibis on those cannons is garbage. It just looks like a wobbly yeah. mess. It drives me nuts. It is. It's weird. It's weird. It looks strange. And Sony has it on on lock now. Like their ibis is really smooth. I never see the wobble on a Sony camera at all. No, so. they have a really good, really good ibis. And I, I think, like, if if anything, like of an upgrade i would like to see better stabilization in the camera for a future camera but that's that's what i can think of i mean there's mm-hmm. but you've got the <laughs> what about you sony's got the <laughs> sony's got the catalyst brows which i mean if for a vlog it's it would be annoying to have to use that to stabilize things with catalyst brows um but it is there if you need it which is cool um i love when i went to nab uh, in vegas Everybody, every single creator that I know is, has a Sony now. They've all switched. <laughs> Even the people that, you know, like Armando Fiera, who was known for being a Canon um, cinema yeah. shooter for so long, he switched. Um, you know, Joshio was there, Potato Jet. They all had the Sony A7S three, And I'm walking around with this big chunky C70. <laughs> and yes, it has C-Log2. Yes, it's got the built-in Indies, which is great. But it's a crop sensor, so I have to use the little turbo booster thing. And now I'm using EF glass, which is ancient technology, yeah. and it's super big. And then even with uh, like like Peter's R3 with the 15 to 35, that's a great lens. But that yeah. lens is huge. It's huge. It's massive. It is. Like 
all the Canon lenses are massive compared to Sony's <laughs> like, and Sony just released the new 24 to 70 GM yeah. uh, version two. And it's even smaller and lighter than the original. That's like it. It's and it's got a freaking um, declickable aperture ring on it. Like, yeah, it's pretty they cool. Just, they keep stepping it up and like lens after lens, it just gets better and better. Body after body, it gets better and better. I'm like about to just throw in the towel and just like switch because it's just they're so freaking good. It's and, I, and it, I, th- I think one of the one of the good things about Sony is that they like ever since they dropped the full frame cameras, you know, from the A7 Mark One, it has been like one mount. And I think that yeah. that is one of the things that really, really has made Sony, you know, come to the position that they're in right now. Uh, because when, when you just buy a lens and then you can use any sort of mount mm-hmm. on any camera, like you can use the FX6, you can use a A6300, it doesn't matter. Like all the E-mount lenses will fit, you know? Yeah. That's the best part. And it's it's yeah, APS-C yeah. and full frame, which is it yes. doesn't exist anywhere else. And then when you use like an APS-C lens on a full frame, it automatically recognizes that and just like props in, which yeah. is also one of the super cool features. It's amazing. It really is. It's yeah. it's frustr it's frustratingly amazing because it's kind of like I don't <laughs> I don't want to give in. I I don't want to do it, but they're making it harder and harder. And uh, I would miss my built-in NDs, which is really handy. I do. Yeah, I think I think Sony is saving that. Like better stabilization and built-in NDs in the size of an A7S3. That would be sick. Like I feel like they should have. I mean, obviously, you know, it would be great if the FX3 had that, you know, built in. Uh, Because that's a cinema camera, right? In air quotes. Um, But they didn't do it. But to keep the size down. But you're right. I think that would be kind of the last kind of step for them is to like make a hybrid sized, you know, FX three sized camera with that electronic ND technology that they have in the FX six. And like, I don't care if it's $5,000. Like I, I want (laughs) that small hybrid sized full frame stable. I mean, I want everything. I want it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I, I think we're closing up to a point right now. Uh, in a way where where we can't really demand more from a camera. I know. Because there's, I know, I know. they're so good. I mean, like, they you are. can't go out and buy a camera today that is bad. That's impossible. Yeah. Like, if you buy a new camera, that is. Yeah, yeah. They're good. I mean, <laughs> the Canon still sells the M50. <laughs> yeah, but it would be, not- would be useful, though. Yeah, of course, yeah. But not for a thousand dollars. You should not spend a thousand dollars on an M50. <laughs> no, do not. It's like um, I, I always say, seen- like if, if you're prepared to spend like a thousand dollars, then try to save up for a thousand more because that mm. like the improvement is huge. You're right. Even even an extra five hundred is like yeah. Once oh, yeah. you get once you cross a certain barrier, like past a thousand dollars, then you enter into that kind of prosumer you know yeah. space, and and the quality difference is huge. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but the the ZV one and the ZV E ten, those great compact little vlog sized um, cameras from Sony, they're just because of the chip shortages, they're just completely sold out, and they can't keep them on the shelves. So they've pulled them from Amazon and they're actually like the ZV one is selling for like over a thousand dollars now because there's such high demand for it. Yeah. And it's like a lot of people just, I guess they just hear or see the YouTube videos. It's like, Hey, the ZV one's a great camera for vlogging or for live streaming. And so, so many people are getting into that now because of the pandemic. They're just like (laughs) buying out all the ZV ones, but without knowing that like the a seven C is pretty close to the price of a zve 10 now because of yeah. the the, the uh, market has like shot through the roof with the zve 10 it's like no no you, you shouldn't get that if you're going to spend over like 1200 dollars on a zve 10 like don't do that get an a7c yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I i agree on that and i i think the the use case scenario for a cv1 is run and gun shooting it's not a professional camera it's just run and gun Use it whenever you don't have another camera in mm. the vicinity. That's it. 
Well, you say that, but uh, one of my upcoming videos is I shot an entire wedding on only the ZV-1. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, but I had to edit the whole thing by the end of the night and showed it to the bride and groom at the reception. (laughs) That's intense. That's intense. It was really, it was actually a ton of fun. Um, We shot it. I'm I'm working on the edit. Um, Hopefully that'll come out next month, but uh, I did a same day edit using the ZV one and I got like a black pro mist adapter to go on it. So like I actually have a nice soft kind of fall off and I just shot it all on the standard um, color profile and it, it doesn't look bad at all. And I told the bride and groom, I was like, yeah, I shot this on a really cheap, like kind of crappy camera. They're like, you did. <laughs> so it's, you can do it. You can do it, but it's not a good idea because the battery dies like every 20 minutes. Uh, the yeah. Built-in lens it's isn't great. Yeah. But um, you know, I just, it was just a silly, <laughs> a silly concept. So <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's more like, you know, running gun shooting, whenever you, whenever you don't have another camera accessible, then it is mm-hmm. a fantastic camera. Or when you're starting out like your own journey and you want everything in one place, then that, totally. that's a perfect camera. That's a great little vlog camera too. Yeah. Just stick it yeah. in your pocket. So it's, uh, it's or my, uh, my, my hip, I yeah. usually have it on my hip. <laughs> have it on your hip. That's awesome. Well, I want to close this out with uh, one last question. If you could change anything about YouTube, if you had like a magic wand and you could you could change something, what is the feature or or even you can give me multiple features that you would love to see on YouTube? Uh, wow. That is one hard question. I think yeah, biggest what, pain I, what I would yeah, it's like what I what I can think of on on the top of my head is probably when it comes to analytics, you see like you see uh, channel pages, and then you see YouTube search, and then there's this whole like massive audience coming from bros features. Like, what is bro fe- bros features? Like, what A browse? Yeah, browse features. Yeah. yeah, what kind of browse? What are they browsing? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, bros features. You know, like what is that? <laughs> where, do you, where do you come from like how can i like how do i apply my knowledge of getting people from the bros features to my channel i don't know it's like is that youtube is that referring to the just like the home page when you're when people are just kind of scrolling around i don't I know i have no idea it's like when when you just go into the analytics and then you watch like real-time analytics mm-hmm. then you can go in and then you can yeah, see that features. there's, yeah, you have the browse features. So, but but what is that? You know. So I'm I'm looking at mine right now, and I scrolled over. There's a little information dialogue there, and it says, "Browse features is traffic from homepage slash home screen, the subscription feed, and other browsing features." Yes, so it, it's encompassing it, it, a lot of different things. But it is, and, and, and I want to see like specific what kind of browsing features. You know, sure. I think so that it's, it's like. It, it's a good metric to look at in terms of is your title and thumbnail good? Because basically yeah. it's just somebody kind of scrolling around and then they just see your title and thumbnail and they're interested enough to click on it, you know? So I guess kind of drop my headphone here. I'm just going to plug it in. Sorry if you're listening right now and I'm just rambling over Dave, but I'm back no, 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 it's fine. right now. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Cool, man. Well, I'm super stoked to uh, to follow your journey and just super grateful to have you on uh, on the show today. And this was wonderful meeting you uh, over the internet. Yes, yeah, same. Hopefully, same. hopefully we'll be able to meet in person um, someday. So that'd be awesome. I'm, I'm heading heading over to the United States to California in June, in the beginning of June, June first. Oh, are you going to go to Cine Gear or? No, no, no. It's like I'm just heading over to actually meet Tom for the first time, you know? Oh, great. <laughs> great. Yeah, awesome. Uh, but we were thinking about making some sort of like, um, I don't know, maybe like IRL podcast and uh, maybe some sort of meetup. So we're going to have to see if, if, we, cool. if we can get something together and meet a couple of, couple of faces. Well, I was planning on going um, June 9th through 12th, which is when the Cine Gear Expo takes place, uh-huh. which is like the Hollywood, like NAB. So it's just tons of gear and people come together and uh, hang out. So Sweet. I don't know if you're going to be there during that, but that would might be worth going for a day or so because it's it's super fun to see all the stuff and to meet people out there. Um, yeah. But yeah, 
That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Have you been to California before? Uh, once I've actually been San Francisco, but that was like, I was, okay. I think I was 15 years old. So I can't really remember <laughs> everything. It's, it's more like fragments. It's a beautiful place. I lived there for about four years and just left recently, but, um, it was awesome when we were there. I miss it every day. That's the weather's awesome. great. The beach is great. Dave disconnected. You there? I'm no, not cut out. entirely sure if, if you can hear me, Dave. Peter. <laughs> if you can. I can't hear you. you. Something has happened. Well, this was Peter Lindgren from uh, Sweden talking to you in the podcast. I really hope that you are going to have a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. And don't forget to uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel if you haven't watched it. And don't forget to subscribe to Dave's YouTube channel on uh, YouTube, of course. Peter. (laughs) 